Welcome back to another episode of the We Love to Build podcast. This is 130 with Ewan Cameron. This is a really interesting episode for me because I have ADD and Ewan has dyslexia. And I think that these are probably two of the most common things that are afflicting entrepreneurs um, if you exclude anxiety, panic attacks, and probably depression from having to deal with investors and team members and, and all of the, the stressors of running a business. Um, where I think these things can be very detrimental to uh, actually running things, but also could be potentially very freeing. Um, and so this is going to be a lot more of a psychological episode, and I really hope you enjoy that today. So who is Ewan? He is the founder and CEO of Willow, a platform that I'm really excited about. I haven't used it yet, but I love it because this is something that I've thought about for years, which is the fact that people try to hire based on a document, a CV. And oftentimes people that have potentially really great cultural fit for the company get tossed aside because you don't really have the time and energy to go through everyone's CV and then do research on every single person. And so what they do is allow businesses to give every applicant an opportunity to create video responses to uh, interview questions so that they can get to know the person for who they are before they decide whether or not to continue in the hiring process. Uh, I think it's a fantastic business. So do investors because they have given them over a million pounds to date and they have several hundred paying customers. So uh, it's a really exciting business to watch out for if you haven't heard of it yet, Willow. And uh, so we'll hear more about Willow and uh, Ewan and uh, the uh, adversity that he goes through in trying to run his business with the uh, dyslexia that he has. So uh, really excited to talk more with uh, really excited to talk more with him about this. Um, so why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself beyond what I've just said, and we'll go from there. Well, I'm based in Scotland. I've uh, got a background in marketing. Uh, so digital marketing is my background. I've been practicing digital marketing now for over 15 years. And in um, those 15 years, I've always worked in startups. So my, my background since I left university has always been working in growing, scaling startups um, across the UK. Um, most, most recently, obviously, Willow, but going back in time, worked for uh, automotive startups worked for um, a whole bunch of different D2C brands, uh, mostly in London, and then arrived in, in Willow. And it was through those previous startups that I got the, the passion and the excitement for building uh, Willow, uh, which was which was a great um, kind of thing to come across. It was back in like 2015, 2016 that I discovered that, that there was a need for something like Willow. And, uh, and then, you know, through all those startups that I was building, discovered that this actually had had some legs in it um, and then obviously outside of outside of work and things I do a lot of cycling around Scotland and I do a lot of traveling with my camera and I have a, a small family with a three-year-old as well. When did you realize that you had dyslexia and did were you aware that there was something different in the way you processed information before you got the diagnosis or the diagnosis was back in, in school. So when I was 16 or 17 years old was when I was diagnosed. Um, but before that time, I, I was actually, I'm in school. I was actually very poor, at all of my subjects. 
and I was just struggling and, and kind of mumbling my way through the through the school years. Uh, so it was it was quite a tough uh, tough kind of education for me because I didn't excel in any subjects. I, I could barely do a lot of the subjects, um, particularly the the key ones, like, you know, maths and English and sciences, uh, which you know require you to retain a lot of information and. And uh, and that was how success was really defined in those subjects. And I really, really struggled with, with that. Um, but unfortunately, before my diagnosis, I always just was was assuming that I wasn't very good at school. Um, and that was just me. And it was it was really obviously disheartening for me. I was in all the lowest the lowest classes for these uh, for these subjects. Sometimes my classes were just like two or three people in them. Um, and yeah, they weren't very fun. You know, we were, we were learning the basics all the time. We tended to be given um, extra time in the exams, but then extra time meant that you had to arrive early for exams. And, and that meant, you know, going into school earlier and you can often get into school earlier. So I never used the extra time. And then if I did, people always sort of looked at you funny and laughed and things. So I didn't use the extra time a huge amount. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a really rubbish uh, number of years in school. Then the diagnosis happened, and it was it was the school had a specific person that was that was sort of trained in in looking for learning difficulties and disabilities. And it was when I um, was speaking to them, they said we should do you know a test and see because it sounds like I think it was from English specifically. It sounds like you're really struggling with English, and you can you know barely write a, a sentence without making a mistake, and you're 16 years old. Uh, so I did this test, and the test eventually came back to say that I had dyslexia but unfortunately by the age of 16 in the Scottish uh, education system you pretty much you know finished school you've got another year um, or two if you want to to really drag that out but um yeah I kind of I ended up going into a lot of arts um, and kind of design classes by that point so I'm like doing like art and design in the final year of school uh, because I could paint and draw and things and I got I, I got actually quite good grades in that. I got some A's and A pluses and things, which was great. And yeah, it was it was a tough few years before that though. Especially as you mentioned earlier, I didn't know that there was anything wrong. Um, so I always just assumed it was me. And you kind of you blame yourself as well, right? I ended up blaming myself a lot and just thinking I'm really, really stupid and I can't learn anything and you know I'm never going to be successful. And that was really, really killing me, especially in my school because in my school there was a lot of um you know drive and ambition and everyone was really kind of there was it was an there was an interesting culture in my school where everyone um that was that was cool or popular was really intelligent and and i found that really quite unusual just for schools in general um but uh and looking back it was definitely quite a, a unique school in that sense and because i obviously wasn't very intelligent i was struggling in all my classes i wasn't very popular or very cool um, and that, that was also really quite hard to, to deal with um, for the sort of five or six years that I was in in school. Um, but yeah, that was that was the diagnosis around the age of 16. And that was that was great, obviously, because I could I could actually label it. It was mostly labeling um, that allowed me to, to kind of move on with my life. I was like, OK, cool. Now I know um, if I could replay those uh, those five years of school before that, that would have been great. Uh, but by that point, it was too late. I was diagnosed with ADD at the age of six. My my school saw that I had a lot of energy and it was difficult to calm me down. It was difficult to get me to focus. And 
they they thought there was something there. They didn't really know what it was. So they tested me for uh, like, you know, they did an IQ test. And what they found was they're like, look, your son is really smart, but he also is extremely hyper. And because of that, he can't focus and be able to succeed in class. Um, so they simultaneously wanted to put me in gifted classes like two days a week, but they also wanted to put me on Ritalin, which would help me with the focus. Well, let me tell you, that freaking Ritalin was horrible. It made me feel like a zombie. It made me not want to eat. And I think that it stunted my growth for sure. Because when I was younger, uh, I was supposed I was told that I would be five nine, which is about like one seventy two, one seventy three centimeters, maybe one seventy five. Um, I'm I'm only one sixty five, right? I'm five six, and I know this because my dad's family is tall, and you know we had we had the special doctor that looks at your bone structure when you're growing, and they're like, yeah, based on this, like we could see how much space is left between your bones and all. Um, all in all horrific experience to the point where I would like pretend that I have stomach aches and I would like go lay on the couch before school and I would like just put the pill in the couch. So after a few years when we moved to uh, another city and they were like getting ready to move the couch, they saw hundreds of pills fall out of the couch and they were pissed because they were paying for those pills and I wasn't consuming them. So I would take them sometimes, but not other times. But I didn't like the feeling at all. Um, and so I, I guess for me, it was the opposite experience where I, I was labeled in the opposite way and given extra opportunities. Um, and yet I still found it difficult to, to focus in school. I found it difficult to succeed um, because I felt like they were teaching everything way too slow. I felt like I, I could move a lot faster than everybody else. That's an early diagnosis, isn't it? Six years old. I don't, I don't know how how early it is in the US, but in the UK, that would be quite young, which is a good thing, I think, right? I think it's because of the IQ test. I think, I think at like six, seven, eight, they just like want to test, wanted to test people. But in the nineties, they were, as, they were also really heavily pushing pills on kids. Um, and, and so that's one of the reasons why I don't like the pharmaceutical company because I feel like I was wronged. Um, Right. I didn't have the option to say no, you know. Um, so once you kind of understood, right, you said you, you were able to label it. How did that change the way you saw yourself? How did that change the way you saw your life trajectory? Um, you know, I, I know that you started a web design agency. I think that was maybe out of like your enjoyment of art as you were saying, as you got into the 16, 17, 18? Why don't you talk a little about that? When I got the label, I was, you know, 16, 17 years old. I could actually read up on, on what the label meant. And that was really helpful. So I could do a lot of research. And I read a lot about dyslexia and what that meant. And that was really helpful for me because I could quite quickly realize, hey, this isn't all bad news. And this is the coping mechanisms. And these are all the famous, you know, important, clever people that have dyslexia and have been successful. So you're not going to be 
you know, unsuccessful just because of this label. And there's all these like things that it opened up. It was just like a box of, uh, of information that I could suddenly go to. And I could be like, this is all the things, all the resources. And it was amazing for me to be able to do that. And quite quickly after that, you know, maybe six to 12 months after getting the diagnosis, I could then start actually building on the strengths and playing on the strengths. Although it was difficult, I could start to identify you know, what my strengths actually were and then, you know, use those to my advantage. So ex exactly like you just mentioned, I started when I was 17 years old, a web design agency. And that was, you know, purely based on the fact that I could design on, on the screen. I could, uh, you know, create things, which I love doing. I loved creating things. I hated, you know, writing an essay, which is also creating, but I loved creating design on the screen. And I then got into photography as well. You know, I was taking photos for the websites or I was designing, you know, art for the websites and things. And yeah, it was, it was quite a, an exciting transition from feeling really, you know, unsuccessful and really unintelligent. And, you know, I also felt like I was getting held back by the school and stuff because I was in these, you know, really low classes. And then suddenly I'm like, holy shit, I've got this label. I understand it. It's not the end of the world and there's there's got to be a path i can carve here to make it make it work for me because all these other successful people have richard branson was one of my kind of key um kind of people that i looked up to i suppose i, I saw him read a lot of his autobiographies and stuff and i just saw him as an example and, and i guess this is true of a lot of disabilities and things in general you, you only need one or two role models like that to be able to kind of lift you up. And I think it's really important that, that people can identify these role models like that. He was a, a person that I, I cottoned onto and I was like, if he can do it, anyone can do it. And and that was that was really interesting for me because I suddenly realized that, um, you know, I was different, but in, you know, potentially a good way. I'm not sure there's any role models with ADD. Oh, really? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. We need to look, um, we need to have a look, yeah. Yeah, and at the time, there wasn't really internet. There, there wasn't really a way to learn about how to deal with it. You know, I, there, there was no Wikipedia in the nineties to go, what the hell is ADD and, and why do I have it? Um, and, and all of that. Now, uh, medication is one of the number one coping mechanisms for ADD, which I think is wrong, but is there no medication or anything that can make the symptoms easier or go away in dyslexia at all? Not that I'm aware of. The most common roots of, of kind of cure or treatment are, are really um, cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, so CBT, uh, which can help you just kind of get over some of the, the real focus challenges. It's similar in terms of ADD. When it comes to focus, it's hard to focus on, on words on the page. Uh, it's hard to focus and organize things as well. So you know, often you'll struggle to, you know, imagine like a, a jigsaw, you'll struggle to put all the pieces into the right place, even a very simple jigsaw, because there's just a lot moving, a lot going on, and you struggle to focus on each piece as an individual piece with all the, you know, the, the content on the piece. Um, so that helps just focus and, and organize your life. Uh, people that have it worse than me also really struggle with organizing their day. So just like, you know, getting out of bed, having a shower, going to work can be quite challenging. Uh, that wasn't the case for me so much. And, and anything that I did do just strengthened that. So I really worked hard on organizing myself quite early on, realized that, um, and, and probably 
like going back even before the diagnosis i used to make huge lists of of things to do each day you know like i literally write down breakfast uh put on clothes i really enjoyed like completing all these things off it helped, helped me feel really structured otherwise i just felt like um you often hear in like psychology like a monkey sitting on your shoulder and going like crazy and you want to tame that monkey and that kind of organization of the list really helped me tame that, that wild crazy monkey so that i could actually focus on what i needed to do um and then the other the other thing is just um you know using adaptive techniques so for example rather than reading black text on a white screen you would typically flip your screen to be uh, for example a purple background or a yellow background and change the color of the text it creates different contrasts and some people find those contrasts easier to focus on so a typical um person with dyslexia looking at white text sorry white background black text will find that all the words will like float around the page and they'll really struggle to follow the lines like left to right left to right um and it makes reading really really tiring so a lot of um you know coping mechanisms are actually changing the way that those words are presented which is a, obviously a real benefit of computers as well when you go back to like books and things i remember in school they used to give out uh like bits of paper sort of acetate stuff that you would bit of plastic you'd put on the page and that was supposed to help change the the contrast of the of the paper on the on the textbook but it didn't really work because they were terrible and they're really annoying and you had to change it each page you had to sort of flip the page and then stick this piece of acetate in it was a nightmare people also wore glasses which were tinted but then that resulted in in a lot of it bullying i imagine in school so i did not i did not go down the glasses route um but yeah trying to trying to actually con uh, consume the information on the page requires just some some adaptive techniques so there's a lot of um a lot of like plugins you can get for chrome browsers and things as well that will actually do that automatically with any website that you go on it's a very interesting experience you've had i i find a tremendous number of similarities actually for myself I remember being 10, 11, 12 and making long lists of things to do on a piece of paper and carrying it around with me at school, at home, wherever I went, and I would cross off the things I needed to do. Now I, I do it on my phone. And I will sometimes, you know, meditate, walk, stretch, gym, like I'll, I'll write this stuff down and I'll, I'll tick it off every day. I'm like, okay, I did this. Um, and that also helps me to focus. Um, I, I think maybe where the difference comes in on the ADD side from the dyslexia side is that my brain is so noisy that I like, let's say I go into a room and I want to take my vitamins for the day. Like for example, this morning, I noticed that maybe there's only half a bottle left and I want to go or I'm going on a trip soon. So I thought, you know, I should count how many pills are in here and maybe, you know, buy another bottle so that I've got it when I'm with, when I'm, I'm on the trip, right? So I went in there to do something. I got sidetracked. I then started counting the pills before I finished the other vitamins I wanted to consume. And then I walked over to Amazon to look and see if I can buy it and discovered that the brand isn't selling it anymore. So then I had to do research to see if there was another brand I could trust. Right, and so now 30 minutes have gone by and I still haven't finished the vitamins. Right, that, that's what ADD is like. And so if you don't stay firm with yourself and have that to-do list, like, oh, uh, I'm gonna take the pills. I know I need to look at 
how many pills I have left, but that has to be done later. I've got other things I have to do, right? If you don't stop yourself from uh, like get, letting these things distract you and sidetrack you, then it's impossible to get anything done in a day. And so these lists are really helpful. And so I, I keep a list uh, on my phone. I keep my phone on me all the time. And so I'm constantly going through my list and adding things and I'll move them around based on what's important, what I want to do next. Um, and, and all of those tiny details. And I just try to recognize when I'm not focusing and when I'm getting sidetracked. Um, and so, you know, some of the best times for me are when my phone is on silent, like this right now, I got one thing to do. It's the only thing I'm doing. I'm purpose, per, I'm perfectly focused on it. And, and this is great. Like this is, it's not easy, but when I'm forced into a position where I can only do one thing at a time, then it's great. Otherwise, there's, you know, 20 tabs open and I'm getting, you know, sidetracked doing research on this thing or that thing. Um, and so it can be quite difficult uh, to, to focus. Um, and I do also, I've noticed sometimes that if I look at a screen for too long, um, I, I don't want to read every word on the page. I find myself skipping around like, oh yeah, I think I know what they're going to say the rest you know, of that sentence. I'm just going to go to the next sentence. So I, I don't know if that has anything to do with dyslexia. Maybe I'm just presenting it or I'm, I'm experiencing it differently, or maybe there's a difference in the way the ADD works and then dyslexia. Um, cause I can't say things move around. I can't say things are, sometimes things are difficult to process, but I can also sit and like, for example, I've got this book. I just bought 600 something pages. Like I can sit there for 30 minutes to an hour and I can read it. I may read a sentence twice over if I like feel like I didn't get the, the meaning, but, um, generally reading is fine long-term, but, um, or long, not long-term generally reading is okay, but, um, it can also present issues at times. So videos are great to handle that getting, getting information presented to you, uh, visually. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting experience so far. Um, and so do you find that being dyslexic makes running a business harder or easier for you? The obvious answer would be no, but the the answer I've experienced is yes, it does make it easier. And it's only because I've managed to cope and figure out how to handle the dyslexia though. I think if somebody diagnosed me last year, I'd be like, oh shit, like it'd be really difficult, you know, trying to figure it out, trying to manage the, the dyslexia and the challenges that come with it and run a business would be really hard. Um, but thankfully I've had you know, a long time like you to kind of figure out and, and deal with the deal with all the problems that it brings and then also come up with uh, solutions. So yeah, the, the, the answer today is yes, it does. And I think the biggest thing probably for me, Sean, is the organization that it brings. The fact that I can organize a bit like you, you have to really, really focus um, by really focusing and organizing stuff. You know, I can like, I can stack up an entire, you know, project planner, for example, I can, you know, consume it all and figure it all out. And I do like um, shorthand notes and stuff as well, which it helps again, because there's less words, you don't have to read as much. Um, but doing all of that and actually allowing me to really laser focus on the on the challenge or, or the project at hand actually does allow, I think, me to deliver, um, you know, a more successful outcome for business. A great example, I suppose, of that is that um, if I'm briefing like a colleague or I'm briefing, you know, a contractor or a freelancer on a project or 
um, you know, a new, you know, a new campaign, for example, that we want to do in marketing, because my brain is so wired to be really organized, I end up delivering a really, really organized, clear brief to the recipient. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe too clear, but that's not a bad thing. Um, where, where, you know, I'll get feedback from people and they'll be like, you're the, you know, the most clear, you know, transparent client that I have or whatever. I get that feedback from, from freelancers. And that's just because in my own head, I need to be, I can't like, I can't for some reason deliver a short brief to someone. I can't be like, oh, can you just, you know, go and design that thing and put that here and that here. See you later. I need to like know exactly how it's all going to work and how it's going to be laid out almost to the point where I can do it myself. Um, and I do do it. I do that quite a lot as well, where I'll just do the task myself multiple times first. And people do say that you should do that, obviously, in management. I think it's an important skill to be able to actually do the task before you delegate the task. Um, so, yeah, I do tend to run through that. But, yeah, the, the the ability to organize and coordinate, particularly in a startup. And I think that's probably similar with you, that startups and small businesses, because they're so chaotic, your ability to focus and tame the chaos can actually be quite beneficial, whereas other people, without learning difficulties and, and neurodivergence can't tame the chaos they just feel like they're in chaos and they would rather escape the chaos but uh for, for you and i for example we have no choice so we're always kind of in there in the chaotic mind so it is a case of training it and, and honing in on those uh those coping mechanisms meditation has been extremely helpful every morning for almost the last 18 19 years um in allowing me to calm my brain down a little bit and that helps to start the day but in the last year or so i've discovered psilocybin uh, which other people would say magic mushrooms um, when you take them at in small doses there's really strong mental health benefits uh, i'm i'm microdosing today actually and for someone with a chaotic mind Mushrooms at a microdose level are the only thing I've ever experienced that quiet my brain down to a point where it is peaceful. And that is a fantastic way for me to manage my daily life. I don't know what other people that don't have ADD or dyslexia experience on a daily basis, although I did ask someone recently, I was like, how do you deal with like the noise in your head? And they're like, what noise? And I, I wasn't sure, I was like, are you, are you like not smart or is it just, I'm, I'm messed up, right? This is something that like someone like myself just goes through. And so when I microdose, I just have this really peaceful, quiet, you know, inner voice. And I just find it's like, it's so easy to, to think and to plan. Um, one of the things I, I don't know about you, but the, the noise and the speed at which my brain moves without the mushrooms, I feel like is detrimental to my sanity almost. It's like anxiety inducing at times because it's like, oh, you've got this thought and then this thought and this thought. It's like constantly racing. Um, and especially with ADD, one of the, the issues I've faced with my startup was I would come up with an idea and, you know, the team wants to go and do it. But before they even get started, I have another idea already. And another idea, and another idea, and another idea. And they're like, your ideas are great. Go create a list, and eventually we'll get to it in the next few years. <laughs> right? It's like, 
we love what you, you know, we, we love all your ideas, but we just can't implement them all. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. We don't have the energy. We just can't do it all. Um, I don't know if you experienced something like that, but, um, but yeah, I, I literally had a running list of like 200 features I wanted to include in the application. They're like, we just can't put this in an MVP. Sorry. So there is a definite difference there then from ADD and dyslexia, which is that the chaos is not in any way anxiety inducing, at least for me. So the, the, it more, the line more stops at just feeling unorganized and a bit shit about yourself. Um, so I just feel like the, it's almost like you can't grasp anything, you know, like the, there's a lot of stuff moving around in your head, but it's not like chaotically fast. It's just really hard to like get hold of. Um, and, and that's why you have to write obviously the lists because there's, there's stuff in there that's pretty obvious. It needs to be done, you know, like pay a bill or whatever, or, you know, send this letter. Um, but even those small things, they're just going to float around. And if you don't grasp them, pin them down, then it just makes you feel a bit like, oh, that's really annoying. This, uh, this, this head of mine today is just making things float around everywhere and it's not very helpful. Um, it's probably more, it's probably less anxiety juicing and more like almost depressingly annoying, um, to have, to have that kind of going on. I, uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting that you discovered, um, mushrooms. I can't even imagine what that must've felt like having the, the peace all of a sudden in your head. Yeah. So I was actually doing research for my mom who's had cognitive issues for the last few years. And, uh, she's been on antidepressants for years. Finally, uh, after two months, I got her weaned off. She's been off of antidepressants for the first time in, in many years. It's been a few weeks now, finally. And, um, thankfully she feels a lot better with it. But, uh, yeah, a year and a half ago, I started doing research about them to see if, you know, I could help have her microdose instead of the antidepressants because there's uh, very clear and known uh, research that has shown uh, you know microdosing mushrooms can significantly help with or get rid of PTSD, stress, anxiety, depression. But I had no idea that it also would have this effect that I this benefit that I get to experience. So I did the research for many months and then finally came back to the states because I was in Asia at the time and. Uh, you know, was able to find it and, and then get my mom to try it. And, um, but first I had to try it on myself. And it was after I tried it on myself that I went, whoa, this is incredible. Um, and it's it's not addictive. That's, that's one of the things I really like about it. Because there's, I'll go back and forth. There'll be times where I'm like, yeah, I think I need this right now. And then there'll be times where my brain's like, nah, I don't need it. So like I, I took it for like five days a week and, you know, five days on, two days off for two months the very first time. And then I didn't touch it for eight months. And then I started to kind of feel like I, I wanted it again. And I did it for like, you know, a month. And then I stopped for five, six months. And um, more recently, I've been taking it four or five days a week for the last two months. And um, it's been quite helpful. So uh, yeah, it, it is really helpful. I really wish I had mushrooms when I was with my ex-wife because I think our relationship would have probably been a lot better because I think part of the issue was um, that my brain just moved so fast. It was difficult for her, I think, at times to keep up and to feel like we were on the same page and, and having conversations with each other, um, which like one of the issues I noticed when I have the ADD and no mushrooms for a period of time and my brain is racing, then conversations are difficult because... Like, as you see, I'm talking fast right now. It's like my brain is processing things much faster than my mouth can say them. And oftentimes, 
it works in a way that like everyone else that is around me is thinking at a much slower pace and so i'm way beyond where they are you know when when i finish saying something and they start to talk i've already like in my head gone on two to three new topics right like i've already gone through so many different things and it's not to say that they're not intelligent it's just to say that my brain is wired differently and sometimes annoyingly so for me um and and so that was an issue that i had in my relationship was that like especially because she was a non-native speaker she was quite fluent but she was a non-native speaker of english uh, still um and, and that was i think hurt uh, not hurtful but detrimental um in, in our ability to communicate with each other um but also to be fair i've had coffee this morning so <laughs> imagine having add coffee and mushrooms and uh and and this is what this episode is for me <laughs> when we started you i saw you drinking an espresso um how does the espresso change your the, the way your brain works i guess along throughout the day that's a terrible thing to do <laughs> so i basically shouldn't drink espresso but i really like the taste and the smell of coffee um but it really doesn't help at all with anything uh so yeah i'll, I'll like have one in the morning and then one around lunchtime uh but it doesn't help with dyslexia one bit it just uh it just adds a lot of unnecessary stress and uh and chaos to my brain but because i love it so much i can't i can't cut it out unfortunately <laughs> it's definitely not the right thing to be doing you want to have like no caffeine no stimulants no depressants just uh no suppressants just just water is uh and, and chemicals as well any chemicals in your head so i uh, i'll have like a diet coke every day obviously full of chemicals but yeah, these are not these are not great for for dealing with any kind of neurodiverse issues. <laughs> I drink water all day. Yeah. I try to drink a few liters a day. Yeah. Just because I think it's really important to stay hydrated. If you can cut the caffeine out and any kind of chemical like soda drinks out, it does make you feel much better. I go through phases of doing that, but yeah, at the moment I'm definitely on a coffee. It's also not very helpful that it's very dark outside in Scotland at this time of year coffee kind of wakes you up a bit makes you feel a bit more awake it's uh what 3 3 p.m here and it's almost pitch black outside what other things have we not kind of touched upon related to dyslexia and, and your company and things that it's helping or hurting or um or anything else about dyslexia in general that we haven't really covered that you that's interesting to you that you want to talk about i think one of the interesting things i would love to talk about is just the impact of dyslexia and other neurodiverse issues when it comes to the hiring of people. So we, you spoke at the start about the fact that companies base their decisions on a piece of paper and that piece of paper is, is literally the, the deciding factor whether you get a job or not. And what's interesting about that when it comes to dyslexia in particular is that dyslexia does not lend itself very well to writing, um, you know, pages about you. and writing them well you know dyslexia people tend to put in you know the wrong word they'll put in spelling mistakes they'll struggle with the organization of the cv the actual structure you know typical cv is has got a specific structure and if you don't follow that structure then your cv typically goes in the bin because it doesn't match everyone else's and i find all that stuff really quite mind-blowing because you know we're both on the call with with issues with the way we learn and, and challenges and things we're not alone there's obviously hundreds of millions of people around the world with with similar issues and yet the the traditional way of hiring is to ask for a couple of sheets of paper and for everyone's you know structure and format to be the same as each other 
and that's how we'll base our decisions on whether we hire someone into our team or not and i find that really unusual so from a from a dyslexic standpoint i was really really poor at writing cvs and really struggled with it not so much the the content because i could use you know word processors and things thankfully you know we both grew up with computers but pre-computers it would have been really difficult imagine if you're like a dyslexic on a typewriter typewriter is not going to tell you that you've put in mistakes or errors you're just going to be typing away um and i really struggle with the structure more than anything though so like again that really helps with the word processor because you can write a paragraph and go nah that's a really weird place to add that paragraph and just drag it into another place that was really helpful and same with sentences you can kind of just pull things around uh, so that kind of helped a bit with the coping but in general, the piece I struggled with personally was the structuring of the CV and the order that I should present the information. Like I, I would open with, you know, some random thing about my background or something. And then, you know, everything, everything just seemed really jumbled and confusing. And if you were reading 10 CVs, the one that I gave you would stand out like a sore thumb and you would probably just go, nah, that's not for me. There's another nine here that are all very normal and standardized. Uh, I find that really confusing, though, and, and mind-blowing that in 2023, we are still using the CV in, in a large number of organizations around the world as, as the hiring method. It's, it's the default or the go-to hiring method for most organizations, even those with really you know intelligent forward-thinking people and, and, and intelligent hiring teams, they still require CVs and resumes and cover letters to make decisions. And that was where Willow really you know, excited me when, when I came up with the concept was not only was this concept, you know, relying on video and um, giving people opportunities to interview remotely, but it was also removing the need for the CV, which was a really limiting document for a lot of people around the world, particularly when it comes to things like, you know, dyslexia, um, people that, you know, perhaps struggle with the, the language even. So like, you know, a lot of people struggle with, with, you know, um, basic written language if they don't learn it in school properly or you know perhaps it's to do with the the structuring again similar to dyslexia there's other neurodiverse um, challenges that struggle with the, the structuring of information and even getting the information onto paper and yet you know organizations have that as their front door and they'll close the door on you if you don't you know supply them with this piece of information uh, in the format they expect so yeah Willow was really exciting because it allows us to get away from CVs and just present people as they are um, and they can do it over voice or video so you know if, if you don't want to be on video which some people don't um, they can you know present themselves just purely on on recorded audio which again removes a lot of those barriers that people have yeah i like voice a lot if whenever i'm talking to people in different chat applications i love to send voice messages to the point that sometimes i annoy people i'm like look just put it on 2x i don't care like I'll send a one or two minute message multiple times. Be like, just, just listen to it. You know, oh, I can't listen right now. Sorry, I guess you're gonna have to wait. Otherwise, I'm gonna be writing you a paragraph, and you probably don't want to read the paragraph. So, I think voice and video are much better for communication. Um, call me old fashioned. I like to see people face to face, or, or you know, whether it's video or like I can shake their hand. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I'm curious how long until after you started the company you were able to start using willow to hire your own people so three years ago yesterday we launched willow and we started hiring in october of that year so october 2020 and we hired our first sales employee with willow which was really cool 
so previously we'd only ever used it on you know freelancers and stuff we kind of would you know put up like a designer job and upwork and we would use willow to screen those designers and filter those designers then and that was a that was actually more of a test for the platform than than it was for the designers because we, we were just using it because it was available um but it was really cool to be able to actually put it through its paces and use it for a full-time salesperson uh so that was yeah sort of nine months after we launched we could actually use it for our own people and then obviously we've used it ever since we've got a team of 12 now everyone has been through willow we've done you know hundreds of our own interviews through willow to get to those 12 people how does that affect the morale or the company culture for like everyone that's that's with you now has been through it they know the product as a user as well and as a team member when we look at salespeople, so salespeople that have come through from the Willow process, when they're then demoing to other customers, they can talk about it from firsthand experience, which is amazing. And what else is interesting about it is that everyone that has ever come through the Willow interview has had a positive experience. And they also mirror everything that we set out to achieve without us obviously telling them. So they would be you know, mentioning the flexibility, the fact that it was inclusive, the fact that it was fun and easy to use and they could do it on any device and all that kind of stuff. All those all those kind of things that we baked into the platform, you hear it firsthand from the from the the employees that end up using it, which is really cool. Great validation. And we can obviously use it ourselves as you know from a from a recruiter point of view as well. So being able to use your you know, everyone says use your product every day. Um it's often not that easy to do, depending on what you make, obviously. Uh, but we're in a fortunate position that we can use it every day, for real. I'm excited to try it out in the future when I'm looking to start hiring people uh, through the consulting company that I have. I'll be working with clients, and one of the things that we'll be doing is workforce planning. And so, you know, we can help them to go. All right, well, we know that based on how you want your business to grow, we know that you need to hire this position or that position at this time, and so. You know, we could potentially use your platform and see, you know, how it is. I, I would love to try it um, because I've been talking about this for years. I think it's something really interesting. So how can people follow up? First of all, visit willow.video, W-I-L-L-O dot video. Uh, there you can get a very short seven minute introduction to the entire platform. So we cover off the candidate experience and the recruiter experience, which is really important, particularly the candidate experience. A lot of our interested you know prospects want to see hey this is really cool and everything but what does the candidate see because i want to have a really good experience for the candidates and that's key to us as well but it's really nice to be able to show that on screen so we talk through the whole candidate experience from start to finish we then talk about how it works um, and you can you know sign up straight away there's a free trial for 15 days and you can use all the features of the platform at any point uh, so you can you know for example if you are hiring say for example sean you're hiring for one you know one person to join your team you could use Willow for those 15 days and actually do all your interviews. And that's just a great way of getting into to the sort of the async interview process, which is new to a lot of people. And that's why we do the free trial. It's when you're trying to sell something that's such a new concept, I think it's really helpful to actually give people the whole platform and gives them a chance to actually try it um, first and foremost before you're taking your money. Um, and then we allow obviously a demo, so you can get a demo if you are interested in seeing it and walking through it with one of the team. Um, and I'll do some of those demos as well. So you might end up with me and then you can obviously sign up and start paying. And we start our plans from $70 a month. And that would be for a sort of 
scaling business um, all the way up to a few thousand dollars a month for a more enterprise organization with you know multiple locations typically around the world. Great. I appreciate your time and energy and your vulnerability here. Uh, it's really important for people to understand what it's like with uh, you know, different personalities and different experiences, just like with your dyslexia and my ADD and how uh, it can be helpful and as well uh, hurtful at times uh, for what we're trying to do and, and what we're able to create out of that, uh, that difficulty. And uh, hopefully other people that have ADD or dyslexia are a little bit less afraid of, you know, their experiences and feel a little bit better about them and, and hopefully look into uh, how to deal with them, how to cope with them, uh, so that it doesn't prevent them from being successful in life. So don't forget that entrepreneurship is a marathon, not a sprint. Take care of yourself every day. Thank you, Ewan.